Welcome, everyone, to our Every Other Thursday podcast, where we cover the wide world of food service and hospitality. Our hosts cover both the relevant news of the moment and we invite key industry experts in for conversations that are informative, enlightening, and entertaining. Every Other Thursday is an approximately 40 to 50 minute conversation presented bi weekly by Tabletop Journal. Now, here's your host of Every Other Thursday, Dave Turner. Hi, everybody, and I want to welcome you back to our Every Other Thursday podcast. This is episode number 37 of Every Other Thursday, and it's being recorded on the 5th of May, Cinco de Mayo. I'm Dave. I'm your host here at Every Other Thursday, and like always, I'm here with Jay Alley and Greg Kirish. and Jay is on the road today. We'll talk to him, and Greg is just back from being on the road, and we're going to hear all about his trip to Austin, Texas today. Hola. Hola, yeah, hola. But before we get into all that, uh, we'll get the business out of the way. This week's episode of Every Other Thursday, like every episode of Every Other Thursday, is brought to you by Tabletop Journal. Tabletop Journal is where we celebrate the products, the people, and the places all in the world of hospitality tabletop. And now, with all that out of the way, let's start talking about traveling, traveling. First of all, before we get to you, Jay, I know you're on the road right now, but before we get to you, I want to hear all about Austin. Greg, uh, tell us what was going on in the wild world of Texas. I really didn't know what to expect, and uh, it was really just a great experience, and I'm not uh, working for the Chamber of Commerce down there or anything. (laughs) Just that, uh, just reporting what I saw, It it was great. The place was crowded. It was hopping, lots of energy, excitement, great food. No COVID. No. Well, down there, every place I went to, you had to you'd be have a mask going into the place. It didn't seem to be any exceptions. Nobody seemed to be have a problem with that. People were socially distancing out on the streets. I, I guess you didn't need one. A lot of people, but you didn't. You know, people. But Austin in general is pretty laid back, right? Yeah, yeah. I, that, well, that's my understand. That's my understanding. That's the the feeling I got. I, I I have to say, I go back a long way. I spent time there about forty years ago, and I've been back just once or twice since then. And I'm like one of those uh, guys that sits back and goes, "It's not the same place I remember. It's yeah. changed." Well, it certainly has. I don't know, and, I, and I'm not going to tell you that it's changed for the worse or the better. It's just different. Just different. It was really a, a great four-day experience. It's supposed to be a huge restaurant town. I mean, yeah, I mean, everywhere, everywhere you go, there's restaurants and small places tucked in. And I, I went down to visit friends who live in a new hip high rise on Rainy Street. If you don't know, Rainy Street is this area of uh, it was a, it's a lot of old traditional houses that have been converted, and uh, the whole place is getting taken over by by high rises. But it's just. It's it's hopping, and my friends stay there. And there's two food truck courts on, on within a two block uh, area, plus interspersed with lots of bars and restaurants. And they could r- literally have a choice going downstairs at, at, from their place of maybe 30, 40 different places every night. Wow! It's it's just it's just a, a hopping place. Is that is is UT's main campus in Austin? Yes, yes, it is. Yes, it is. I think Round Rock is right there, too. And I think the Round Rock uh, building out from Dell originally, years ago when Dell went in there, I think that has become quite a quite a hub for high tech. And so there's a lot of money down that way, too. And it's not like uh, it's a cheap place, I don't think. 
it's supposed to be one of the hottest, or if if not the hottest real estate market in the country. Yeah. I know people that are buying places and you know they're getting in bidding wars. Wow. It's just everybody wants to everybody wants to move there. I mean it's a, it's a, it has a vibe, but I, I hope it's one, we're not one of those situations that that people by moving there, you know, it's, it's the classic dilemma of that they wreck what they were seeking by by moving there. But right now, I can tell you it's a good it's a it's a great time. You know, there's this giant lake river through the middle of town surrounded by bike paths and it's like like san antonio yeah. <laughs> yes yeah 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 i got a friend that's a legend down there it's, it's amazing and, and he's uh he's a great guy he was a graduate of, of ut and he played football for the longhorns so i tell people he, he, he's a actually the answer to a sports trivia question and the sports trivia question is is what's the name of the running back that scored the winning touchdown when Texas U beat Notre Dame in the Cotton Bowl. I don't know what it was like, 68, 60, way back whenever that happened. And his name's Bill, William Dale, Billy Dale. And he came to work for Gorham, and that's how we got to be friends. But he, he scored the winning touchdown when they when he beat Notre Dame. And I think it was on the 100th anniversary of the Cotton Bowl or 50, I don't know, whatever. It was some, some significant point in time, and UT beat him. So it was really crazy. Well, he's a friend of mine because anybody that helps me – Beat Notre Dame is on my side. Yeah, there you go. Sorry, there you go. Sorry to all my Notre Dame alumni friends. There you <laughs> go. I'll tell you, this kid, after that happened, he was a legend. We'd go to like the gift shows in Dallas when that new trademark was built and all that. And it seemed like everybody knew this kid. And most of them were women. And, I th- and he was single at the time. I was like, Jesus, Billy. <laughs> it wasn't a particularly handsome guy, but he had an infectious personality. But everybody in the state knew who he was. I can tell you that it was crazy. So, Greg, tell us about some of the place, hot spots in Austin that you went to. What was going on there? Where'd you go to? Well, the, I guess the good news is I went to, you know, kind of well-known places and less well-known places. and uh, But they were all, I mean, the hospitality was great. The quality was very high. I wasn't disappointed with any of them. There's, for example, a taco shop. That if we were out riding bikes around this around the uh, the green belt, stopped in at Veracruz. I mean, just I mean, how good can tacos get? Well, this is right at the top of the of the list at Veracruz. Top tier tacos. Top tier tacos. It. So I mentioned that one first because of Cinco de Mayo, a Cajun themed place out in kind of a, a neighborhood area, Vic and Al's. I mean, it was just excellent. Very limited menu. You said to me. And another conversation off air, you said to me that you had trouble getting into some of these places, too. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It wasn't and easy. It wasn't like you could just walk in. COVID schmovid. Nobody knew anything about it. During the week, or even, and especially on the weekend, you needed uh, reservations in a lot of these places. And then and then Sunday late afternoon, we said, well, we want to order out barbecue. And you'd think that in Texas, how hard could that be? We... Uh, contacted maybe six places seven places nope can't do it we're already sold out we finally got connected with lambert's and it was some of the best barbecue i've ever had it wasn't like you had a group of seven or ten people or something like that you know there was just four of you right there was six of us six of oh, us there was yeah. six yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. So that, that, that complicates things a little bit but right. the basic takeaway is place is busy oh yeah oh it, it's it is it's hopping you got to plan for it and, you know, of course, there's places you could, you know, generally stand in line and, w- and walk into. But 
And what about the tabletop? We got to talk about that a little bit. What kind of tabletop are you finding down there in uh, Austin? I went to a brunch at a place called Paperboy. And again, very, very, I mean, excellent, excellent quality. And, you know, go in there and it's, they have handmade ceramic coffee cups, teacups made with, by felt and fat. Out of Philadelphia. Great Nate Mel. Yeah. He does a great job. You know, this small shop has, has custom made drinkware. That kind of attention to detail just really pleasantly surprised me. It was great. It was great. You know, other places we were, uh, there's, it was Clark's for uh, seafood, moonshine, for sandwiches and barbecue. No bad meals. It was just, it was great. Every place has energy, hopping. You had to plan a little bit for it sometimes. Now, was it was it all pretty casual, uh, you know, uh, relaxed? Now, I mean, good quality food, obviously, but was it was it more uh, a casual vibe or was there more of a, a formal vibe? Any places you saw any formality at all, like even in the hotel uh, uh, restaurants or anything? Even walking by hotels, uh, I didn't see anything that 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 gave me a hint of formality. Everything was very. Very casual. Good. Yeah. But, you know, I've spent a lot of time in Texas and Austin really, and, and don't, I hope my uh, friends in Austin don't take this the wrong way, but it really doesn't project the image of Texas as much as other places. For example, other towns I've been in Texas, lots of people wearing cowboy boots, lots of people wearing cowboy hats, big belt buckles, that type of thing. I hardly saw any b- cowboy boots. Too many Californians in there now. Yeah, well, now, yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe they don't like cowboy. Yeah, lots of running shoes, so maybe that's what it was. Well, topography in Austin is different too, right? That's considered hill country. I mean, they yes, got, yes, yeah, it's it very is. green there too, from what I understand. Yes, yes, at least it is now. Because of uh, this time of year. Do you know what the population is, roughly? I don't know exactly. And I was just going to spout off what I think it is, but I, I'll probably be wrong. So I'll hold back. I think it's bigger than you you would expect. And when I think of a town like, uh, I call it a town, when I think of a place like, uh, or a city like Austin, Texas, culinary, good music vibe, uh, a lot going on, a young city. It's not the same, but I, uh, my comparison, again, that different part of the world, and it's not a, obviously a direct comparison, but it's a city like Portland, Maine, where, where you got a, a real strong local vibe and the food is just killer. And they do a lot of, in terms of tabletop, uh, it's not a lot of formality, but the food is just out of sight. And I, I'm guessing that that's what you found in Austin too, Greg. Right. Yes. Yes. And, and I, Mr. Google just told me that the population is about a million. Yeah. Oh, that's a lot. That's a lot bigger than Portland. Portland, Maine is growing, but I, I would say it's about 300, 350,000 in the, in the general Portland area. You just can't go there anymore. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody goes there. Nobody goes. No, to Austin there well, we tried. People. Sandy and I tried a couple of years ago. And the, <laughs> the price of the hotel rooms during the summer. I said, "Wait a second. This isn't downtown New York City." Oh you, oh, you were talking about Portland. I'm talking about Portland. I was like, yeah. "Are you kidding me?" <laughs> yeah. No, Austin, Texas. What about the music? Okay, enough on the food. What about the music? What, what were you finding down there in music? How should I say it was prevalent? Uh, yeah. I mean, you know, there was music coming out of uh, uh, you know a lot of storefronts. Walking down this uh, rainy street area I was talking about, there were sounds going till 2 o'clock in the morning. You know, the impression I got was, you know, uh, a place where people, a lot of smart people, you know, high tech, they're doing, they're, you know, obviously making good money, 
providing some sort of services that the world is really looking for. And these people have have the disposable income to spend it on, on nice things, and they're being serviced down there. My, my general impression of, uh, of that from afar, though, is that Austin is probably very hipster as well. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, cool, cool. Put Austin, Texas on your list of places to go, everybody, and eat and listen to some great music and just generally have a lot of fun because I think Austin's all about that, all about fun. Jay's on a fun trip right now. Well, we're going to take a break here, and when we come back, I want to hear all about your travels. You're actually on the trip itself right now and uh, where you're headed and what's going on. And then I want to finish up today with a little bit of where we think all this is going. Uh, is, the, is the food service and hospitality genie back out of the bottle or is it going to go back in with, uh, with more COVID or whatever? So we'll be right back with more. And Greg has some. Greg, what do you want to throw in before we take off? Take a break. Well, before I hope that I, all of our all of my uh, Notre Dame alumni friends stick around with us for the second half. <laughs> yeah, for the second <laughs> half. Listen to that. <laughs> all righty, uh, all you Michigan fans, you can uh, you can take uh, take that up with Greg. We'll be right back with more of travels with Greg and Jay. This episode of Every Other Thursday is brought to you by TabletopJournal.com. For more than nine years now, Tabletop Journal has been covering the food service and hospitality industry, all the while raising the awareness of just how important Tabletop is to the overall guest dining experience. If you haven't signed up for Tabletop Journal's bi-monthly newsletter, it's simple and easy, and it's free. Simply go to tabletopjournalnewsletter.com. Now, back to our podcast. Welcome back, everybody, to segment two of Every Other Thursday. We're here with Greg, Jay, and Dave, and I'm Dave, of course, and we're talking about Greg's recent trip to Austin, and in the break, we were talking about the comparisons between Austin and Nashville, Tennessee, and there, and to me, again, I... I, I openly admit I've never been to Austin, Texas, but I've been to Nashville a whole bunch of times. And everything that Greg is saying and everything when I was just commenting in the break is that it seems like there's a there's a comparison between the two cities. Greg, what do you think? What were you saying? Yeah, my, actually, my son was living there, and uh, so you know in, them both well in Nashville, and so I spent some time there. And yeah, there's a lot. It has some a lot of the same similar vibe. Very young. A lot of people moving there. The skylines of both places are filled with vertical cranes, traffic. It feels very, very similar. The difference is, as far as the food scene goes, and again, I'm, uh, it's, this is just from a, a quick trip to Austin to, to make a comparison, is that Austin seems a little bit more, in terms of the food, more, for lack of a better word, mature. I don't want to say sophisticated, but it, just a little bit farther along the curve. The places seem to be more buttoned down, whereas Nashville just seems to be kind of a, more of a free-for-all where people are just saying, here's an opportunity, I'm going to jump in. You know, They don't have, again, maybe the, the maturity that uh, some of these places do in, in, in Austin that I visited, if that makes sense. I think that uh, my take on the, and I'm going to go to Nashville now, uh, uh, that's the one I'm familiar with. I've been to Nashville a bunch of times, and I, I agree with you. Uh, I, I would say there are a couple, there are some definitely some exceptions, and there's a f couple of restaurants in an area called the Gulch that I was pretty impressed with, and then, of course, there's the Husk. 
Husk is uh, up on a hillside outside of Nashville, and that, that was pretty evolved, I thought. And that was when Sean Brock was involved, and he no longer is, but I'm sure it's still a great restaurant. But they, they, they both have a good and growing culinary scene. They both have music, that music vibe that goes along with it. Nashville may be a little heavier in certain ways. Although Austin, uh, you can't you, you can't say they don't have a strong vibe in the music area too. So I think they're both great cities, but put them both on your list uh, of places to go. Uh, I think for me, Austin, I was was uh, a planned trip last year, and because of COVID, didn't take it. Hopefully that ha- that changes real soon. So. Good job, Greg. We want to get on to Mr. Jay. Jay is on the road right now, on the road with Jay. It never gets better than that. Jay, where the heck in this world is Jay Alley? Uh, currently in Florence, South Carolina. Florence, South Carolina. That's the crossroads of America right there, baby. Yeah, yeah. Headed, headed to St. Augustine for the St. Augustine Food and Wine Festival. So we're looking forward to that. That should be fun. St. Augustine's a great town. Yeah, and get, we're going to get to stay at the Renaissance, which is right next to the Gulf Hall. Uh, the Gulf World Hall of Fame thing, I guess. So we're going to go over there and see if I can buy a hat because I can't play golf, so I might as well buy a hat. <laughs> buy a hat. <laughs> Let's see. What are we doing today, Sandy? We're going to drive to Florida and buy a hat. Okay. Yeah, she's out. She went out. To, she, she's loading the car. Thank God. She's a good woman. <laughs> so anyway, yeah, it should be fun. Then we're going to come back and we're going to stay in. We're going to stay for a week with friends down in Delray. Which is a tell, cool. tell us a little bit about the St. Augustine uh, wine and food or food and wine. Is it food and wine or wine and food? Uh, I think it's food and wine. Or wine, yeah, wine and food, I'm pretty sure. I don't yeah, have it in front yeah. of me. But yeah, Jan Gorley runs it. She does the uh, Savannah one and a bunch of others and some also some spirit ones. And uh, yeah, it should be good. I mean, she runs a great event. I mean, very or- well organized. I think this is a little smaller. I don't know. I don't know what the attendance is going to be. And, you know, how many people signed up? I'll find that out when I when I get there. We'll we'll, we'll talk about that with her. But yeah, it'll be good. I, I think too. Toward the end of the year, you're going to see a few more of these wine events open up. So that that's good news. Things are getting better. That's about it from the road. I mean, not much else other than we almost were killed yesterday by 14 road snakes. You know what a road snake is? No, no. You've all seen them. It's the big. It's when the the tractor trailer decides to spit off its tires. Oh, <laughs> and they're lying in the middle of the road. It looks like a big old road snake. And uh, <laughs> I was telling Dave earlier, we were, we were driving down, and my my wife said, "Look out!" And I I didn't see anything, and I hear this bump, right? So a piece of one of the road snakes was in the road, I guess, and it happened to decide to hit the driving lights on my car, the driving lights on our van, square in the center of one of the driver's lights, and knocked it knocked it out. So that was the excitement for the day. So that's it. Wait, beware of the road snakes in the car, in, you know, in the Carolinas. They're out there everywhere, everywhere. Excitement on the road with Jay Alley. I'll tell you what. Well, one thing <laughs> never too, a dull moment with Jay. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. I'm I'm, I'm a pretty careful driver, and uh, it, yeah, it, yeah, they it, all say that. No, no, I really am. My, my yeah, wife. It's not just, me. It's the other guy. Yeah, my wife would just walk back into the into the room. She'd be the one with a helmet and a race car. She's, yeah. yeah. But I'll tell you what. It, it it is really scary. I mean, it's scary how people are driving out there. Everybody's on the phone. It's crazy. 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 Those kids. <laughs> yeah, that's what they're all texting and stuff. You can't stop that. The grumpy old man on the car at the, at the wheel here. Jeez, <laughs> Pete. Hey, listen, one other thing I want to touch on before we get into the overall industry thing, state of the industry and where we think it's going is Greg, you had a great Saturday night the other night, a nice, nice meal out in Chicago with an old friend of ours, a friend of the podcast, Eileen Garcia. Tell us about that a little bit. How did that go? Yeah, we interviewed Eileen last 
was it last year, guys? I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and she owns two restaurants in Chicago. She was a pioneer in an area called Logan Square here in Chicago. And, you know, because of the pandemic and a lot of other excuses, I hadn't got a chance to get there until this weekend and uh, went there and just, I mean, I I want to say pleasantly surprised because I wasn't surprised that it was so good because uh, Eileen, everything I've heard about the place, and our talk with Eileen, I was I was expecting it to be excellent, and it was. It's one of those things that okay, what can you do with Italian? Well, you can do a lot of stuff with it. Yeah, you went to Buena Terra because she I has two, Buena, right? Yeah, right. I went to Buena Terra. It was an outstanding experience. The service was great. The food was great, but it also it was one of those rare nights in Chicago where everything, where the weather was perfect. You know, all the trees and blooming, the flowers are blooming, and uh, that t- part of town has been really uplifted it was over the years and it's on a major beautiful boulevard it's just a really really nice place and uh, i i i can't say enough about about her her operation and just it's what food service is all about good food hospitality good value i mean these are the things that we keep on talking about and it's a very good example I am still, I've never been to Buena Terra. I don't get out much, uh, obviously, but Eileen Garcia, I'm blown away by that story. And I, we, we talked about it when we had her on the podcast, the story of hospitality that the lady wrote on Reddit. That is the longest testimonial story I think I've ever seen. It's unbelievable. And the lady had three, kind of three specific incidents where Eileen uh, showed her unbelievable hospitality and warmth and just friendliness, lent her money uh, to get home, held the baby for a half an hour or so. I mean, this is, is incredible. And and you're right. That's what uh, hospitality is all about. I can't imagine anybody going to one of her restaurants and not enjoying themselves. She was a sweet person. Special place in heaven for her because you don't meet, meet too many like, like that. Well, and we don't, you know, it's not our job to in, endorse, and, and I don't want to, you know, go down that rabbit hole. I want to endorse that restaurant. Right, but no, that, in this case, I do. In this case, I do. Yeah. I think that if anybody wants to know, okay, what, you know, they, they're thinking about going into the restaurant business, or they're in the restaurant business, and they want to see what, what, what a good example is, they should go to Buena Terra. Yeah, listen, we've all we've all been in restaurants where the hospitality was I'm using air quotes here, but it was manufactured uh-huh. hospitality. And, and you kind of get what I mean by that, I hope. But I, I suspect going to Buena Terra is all right from the heart hospitality. It was great. And, the you know, again, the quality, the value, yep. every, everything, everything was, uh, you know, was she was she pretty bitty? Actually, I'm sorry to say no, and uh, I felt bad about that. And the reason was, it was like one of the first really fabulous nights of the year here in Chicago. And so everybody was outside. They weren't going inside the restaurants. So I felt bad about that. But she was doing some takeout business, I hope. I hope so. But that's, you know, that's the problem. That's the challenge with with food service. You know, you got those ups and downs. Well, let's talk. Let's talk about the industry in general. Then, uh, where where is it now in your in your uh, your estimations, and where do you see it going, and how fast are we going to get back to whatever we get back to? I guess I'm surprised because you know I was I just like everybody else. I was reading all the dire predictions last year about imminent collapse and destruction. And I'm not saying this has been a rose garden. I know a lot of people that have had a really hard time and, you know, and, and downright failure, 
but from everything I see is like, you know, there's been a, there's been a culling of the herd. People that have survived are, are stronger than everything. The demand is up. And we keep on talking about the roaring 20s. It seems like there's huge pent-up demand. Things are coming back. And the, and the numbers, even from the, like the National Restaurant Association, the, the numbers aren't anywhere near as bad as they were projecting early last year. By the way, uh, we are in Studio A of the Tabletop Journal Studios this week. So if you hear a siren going by, it's taking some lucky person to the local medical center, which is just not far away. So uh, it's an ambulance. It's not a. It's not a policeman. I didn't pay my rent. No, I didn't pay parking tickets. Right. We're, we're, tickets. we're tied into the community here, you know. So yeah. <laughs> you know, I'll tell you what. The, we we were, I think, right on the money on. Well, we're right on the money on a lot of things. I'm. I'm confident of that but one of the things that really sticks out remember when we were talking about how the operations that may be a bit underfunded or not 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 really meeting the hospitality standards that you'd like to see or whatever and we said that the well-run privately owned uh, places we, we thought would would really do well in my little town of york pennsylvania nobody went out of business to, to fit that category i mean all of the privately owned restaurants that produce a great product great service, have all the things that we talk about every time we're on the air. Those people thrive. I mean, and I think if you had the numbers from around the country, I think it would hold. I mean, look at in Austin. I mean, it sounds like there weren't a whole lot of closures out there. I mean, things are, but that, that being said, the other thing is, is, is the business is going through the roof on our side, just not to talk about my, my company, but we're having problems getting enough inventory right now because everybody let their pars get so low that it's, it's like every restaurant that's reopening. It's like it's like it's brand new. You know, they just don't have enough glassware or flatware or china. Well, I would think that you would be a great barometer for what's going on now and in the future. And this that's great to hear. That's that, crazy. That, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I, I think that the I think that the well-run uh, restaurants just survive. And the other thing that shocked me is shocked me is the buffet businesses is, is okay. I mean, it's crazy. Vegas is opening up in a, in a, in a couple of days, I guess is sometime this month. And, uh, my, I have a friend that lives there. He was just out visiting and, uh, he was telling me that mostly all of the buffets are going to be open, but I think the difference is most of them are going to serve you the food rather than have you just take it yourself. But, uh. Well, it's, it's the same, but different, like with uh, retail here, it seems like the operators in the mic, in this case, the grocery stores really don't know what to do yet. There's a chain here in Chicago, named Mariano's, that's owned by Kroger. And they, uh, a while back, put out their olive bar back out, and they also had a salad bar. And now I went to the store, one of their stores recently, and there's a big sign saying, well, sorry, folks, but we've removed the salad bar. So it's, it's going back and forth. Nobody knows really what to do yet, I guess. Yeah, I think there's a lot of people caught in that. And this, the protocols are changing weekly. Uh, a lot of pressure on government officials to loosen up things where they may or may not have wanted to. Uh, and everybody's watching, you know, different places in the world to see, you know, how this is going to uh, sort of roll out. I mean, you've got uh, an explosion going on now in India. With the new variant. Yeah, with the new variants. Yeah, and in Argentina too uh, is uh, under a lot of COVID stuff now, and and so, but people like Europe, they're they're sort of being squeezed by the population there to say, listen, let's open up. And I know the EU is considering allowing American visitors sometime this summer because more of an economic thing probably. But but one way or another, I, I see this really 
I wouldn't say uh, coming to an end, but it's going to it's going to get minimal, get lessened, and we're going to learn to live with it too. That's the other thing. And I, I think certain behaviors are going to always be with us now. A little bit of distancing, being more careful, washing your hands more if that's what you like to do. But yeah, I, th I think our behaviors have definitely changed. But it's great to see the food service come back, uh, industry come back and come back really strong. I mean, every time I turn the TV on, there's somebody in Florida in, in the middle of a big crowd of people and having fun. And it sounds like Austin, Texas was very similar. Yeah, again, I think that it's uh, a barometer of what's going on, you know, that, uh, you know, things yep. that, uh, you know, people's attitudes. Yeah, I know that states like Florida and Texas are really opened up big and, and you've still got... And even Chicago, Greg, you were talking about going out and everybody's starting to come back to restaurants in a little bit in Chicago. But when you get into the downtown areas, is Chicago downtown doing anything? Are they opening up uh, Michigan Avenue or any of that? No, you know, and it's not really COVID. It's like, you know, we could, this is another discussion for another day probably. But, you know, my kid, my son is six foot, six foot five. He's into jujitsu. He's like the kind of guy, if you saw him walking down the street, you wouldn't want to mess with. And he's scared to go into the city. I think New York City, Manhattan especially, I, I think is a lot like that right now, too. And I think it's a, it, it's a problem that inter, large urban areas have, that inner, inner city part, is getting people comfortable with going down there to dine out again and or going out for a night of entertainment or whatever. And so I think COVID aside, I think there's still some other issues that have to be resolved before so this business is really going to come back, but it will. And some of it's governmental, some of it's societal, but food service always wins out, I think, in the end. I, I'm just amazed in the, you know, in the 15 months or so uh, or 14 months that we've been going on with COVID, I'm amazed at the resiliency of food service operators oh, yeah. and the creativity that, and, and how nimble some of them have been really to, uh, to adjust and, and to survive. And that's really what it is. Well, there's a, there, for example, there's a popular chain here of fast food Mediterranean called Roti. R-O-T-I. Mm -hmm. And they just closed eight units in the loop. You know, yeah. they're saying. Not worth it. You're not worth it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I, I think the commercial landlords in downtown Manhattan or in uh, or in the loop in Chicago and maybe even in downtown L.A., I don't know, San Francisco, I think they're all struggling with who's going to fill up these buildings? Who's going to come down here and utilize these buildings if, if it's not safe and it's not secure or whatever? So there's other issues beyond COVID. But I am thrilled, thrilled to hear that Austin, Texas was rocking. Florida is. Jay, you're going to have a great report from St. Augustine. It's going to, that's going to be cool. And uh, we're really looking forward to our brethren, let's call it, in the food service industry, uh, really starting to uh, get a little bit more prosperous. I want to finish up with one uh, note that we talked about just briefly on the, on the other podcast, Seat Yourself, but Tom Kitchen is a Michelin-starred chef in Edinburgh. He was quoted in the, uh, the local Edinburgh, uh, Scotland paper, the Scotsman, and saying that, and I'm paraphrasing, of course, but he was saying he was going to open up, even though he was going to lose money by opening up, but he was opening up, he felt, out of a duty, interesting word, a duty to the suppliers because he knew that they were suffering and that if he didn't go open up and start working with them again, he was afraid that those suppliers would not be there when 
the whole world opened back up in Scotland. Now, Scotland's in the whole UK is a little bit behind the US, but I think that's an interesting point. And we posted on, uh, on that and talked about it, like I said, on Seat Yourself. But I want people to remember that through COVID, although the operators had problems, so did the suppliers. And particularly, nobody, I don't think any sector had it worse than tabletop suppliers. Maybe furniture. I don't know. But, but tabletop is going to come back, and it's going to come back stronger than ever. I'm excited. I'm excited, Jay, because you're talking about having some uh, great months with your company in the glassware category. We've said all along here it's going to go first, and certainly that seems to be what you know what is happening. Dinnerware second, flatware third. But tabletop people really add a lot to the whole tabletop category, adds so much to the guest dining experience, and there's some phenomenally resourceful people in the tabletop category. So I'm excited for our brethren in that sector as well. So kudos to Tom Kitchen for uh, calling out the suppliers and working hard to support them. Michelin starred guy, doesn't need to do it, doing it anyway. All right, gang, listen, anything else uh, that we wanna uh, let, it, let anybody, any more travels for you, Greg, coming up anytime soon? Yes, I'm going to be doing a one-week tour of uh, doing actually, Vegas, baby. No, no, let me see. No, it's more than. I'm just. I'm hesitating. It's more than. It's about. I think eleven days. I'm going out to a tour of Arizona, so I'll come awesome. coming back, and I'm actually meeting chef friends out there. So uh, it should be interesting to uh, come back and tell you what's going on out there. Cool, cool. Boy, I'll tell you what. We're gonna have to have a segment. Where in the world is Greg Kirsch? Maybe like they used to do on Today Show, where in the world is Matt, the guy that got in trouble or whatever. So you're going to be the travel guy. All right, gentlemen. Listen, it's been great. Happy Cinco de Mayo. We're recording this on Tuesdays, Cinco de Mayo. And thanks for joining us, everybody, on Every Other Thursday. This episode of Every Other Thursday has been brought to you by TabletopJournal.com. For more than nine years, Tabletop Journal has been covering the global food service and hospitality industry all the while raising the awareness of just how important Tabletop is to the overall guest dining experience. TabletopJournal.com, where we celebrate the products, the people, and the places, all in the world of hospitality tabletop. You can learn more about Every Other Thursday by visiting our website, everyotherthursdaypodcast.com. Thanks for joining us today for this episode of Every Other Thursday.